Hello everyone, and welcome to the Laundromat, the podcast dedicated to compliance professionals. In each episode, we welcome a different guest and discover his background, missions, craziest stories, and much more. Today, we receive Kaylee Smail, a fellow AML expert and also a must-follow content creator on LinkedIn. She started her career in a law firm, Simons & Simons, where she learned the job of an AML and conflict analyst for a little bit less than six years. Then, she decided that it was time for a change and became an associate at Till Compliance, a consulting firm providing a wide, very wide range of services for law firms. Hi, Kaylee, and thank you for accepting to be a guest. Uh, hi, thank you very much for having me on. Great. So, let's jump in. First question. Could you please tell us what you are up to at Teal Compliance? Okay, so um, I would say that Teal Compliance is a, a little army of compliance specialists. Um, and we help law firms with the rules and regulations um, that they need to follow. But we try and make it a bit more fun and a bit more engaging. So we provide training to um, staff members. But we also provide more specialist training to money laundering reporting officers or compliance staff. Um, and then we also carry out AML policy and practice-wide risk assessment reviews and drafting, file reviewing. I had a project uh, with a client the other week where for two days we basically sat in a room and just worked on a new process for completing a matter-based risk assessment. And now I'm actually helping them with drafting the, the bespoke risk assessment for them. And we also work with clients as well to ensure that their compliance program is working properly. And if not, try and help them fix it. So not only do we make sure that their policies and procedures are regulator ready, but we also test that the policies and procedures are being followed by staff and whether or not the staff actually understand what they should be doing and what the risks are and the types of work that they do. So we can do this by doing interviews with the staff, but we normally do file reviews for them. Um, I get a bit, when, when you get stuck in doing file reviews for, for a whole day, it can be a bit tedious. So I get stuck in and start looking at maybe the lovely properties or um, looking at their bank statements, you know, when you're doing your source of funds check-in and, you know, someone had spent £300 on Deliveroo. Um, so I, try, I do, I do try and mix it up a bit for myself as well. I do, I, I love this type of work because, you know, all of our clients are different and with compliance, you know, it's not just one way things have to be done. So we get to be quite creative with our clients. So our CEO, Amy Bell, and she has a bit of a mission and it was this mission that pulled me onto, um, and we call it the team teal bus. Um, and that was to provide compliance tools that work for people and making sure that the legal process is a safe place for the client and for those working within the business. So I sometimes felt that that wasn't the case. And for me, a big part of this is about culture. And I think sometimes compliance and AML is just seen as a tick box exercise. And people forget or they don't actually even understand the real reason behind why they're doing what they're doing. And in my training, I did a post about this actually on LinkedIn not so long ago. I always ask, why do we do AML checks? And normally the answer I get is because it's the law, because I don't want to go to prison. So then I ask, why is it the law? 
why could you go to prison? And it is surprising the blank faces that I get from people. And let's say um, it's the third session of the day and they've all been talking about it and they've all given each other the answers. But, you know, it's because it's bad. These are real baddies preying on young and vulnerable children. You're buying them clothes and trainers, offering them a better life and then sending them off to sell drugs and, and you know, trafficking the, the young girls. And I think people sometimes forget that. Yeah, I think it is very true. Like usually people, they don't see the real reason behind the, all these requirements. They just see the, the friction business-wise, but they forget that actually it is very uh, benefiting the, the society as a whole. And more generally, how long do you, do you work with your clients? Um, so it depends. So the, the clients that I work with, you know, helping them with their compliance program, we initially work with them for two years, helping them with that process. And then hopefully um, they'll either be in a position where they feel like they want to continue on their own or they still want us to help them just doing the testing side of things, making sure that everything's still going as the plan as it should. We have clients where we would just say do uh, an anti-money laundering audit and then that's it. Or it might be that following on from the anti-money laundering audit, it's, you know, we found some issues with, say, training. So they'll ask us to do training. So it really does vary in terms of the work. We do get, you know, repeat clients. So they might not, you know, book in for the two-year type of work, but then they might do book us in for a yearly policy review or the yearly audit, or the yearly training. So, um, yeah, it, it, we do get a lot of clients come back to us, though, which is really nice. Okay, well, that makes sense. And going back to your beginning of your career, you worked several years as an AML analyst, so in this uh, law firm, Simons & Simons. What uh, motivated you, after this experience, to actually move to the consulting side of compliance? Uh, do you know what? It's quite funny. A lot of my colleagues always said that they thought I'd be good at consultancy work, but I never really knew how I would get into it. Um, there weren't many firms or people out there doing this sort of thing for law firms. So I'd been following our CEO, Amy Bell, on, um, on LinkedIn for some time as I loved her post and often used them to show the firm I was working for. You know, Amy Bell is saying this because oh, she's quite renowned in the, in the area of AML in the, in the UK. And it was a way of getting people to listen to me as it was something I'd normally raise, some of the things that I saw. So when I saw that there was an opportunity to join the team, I was really excited because I felt we had the same passion about compliance, but I never really thought about the fact that I would be doing consultancy work instead. I never really saw it in that sort of sense. It was more about joining Team Teal and Teal Compliance and about what they were about and the mission that they were on, that's what drew me t towards them. You're right, having a good mentor is very important, especially uh, at the beginning of a career. And now that you, you've been a consultant for a few years, what are, in your opinion, the key differences between being an analyst and actually being a consultant? Um, so working as an analyst, I'd say it's a great introduction to anti-money laundering. But as an AML analyst, a lot of the time you're just gathering and reviewing documents. Sometimes something exciting might pop up. I once had an adverse media hit against the directors of one of our prospective clients 
and they uh, had a warrant out for their address, uh, for their arrest, for falsifying loans in the bank that they worked. Um, and the work that we'd been asked to do was to transfer shares from one company to another. So it was a really great spot, and it was really exciting. But that's probably as exciting as it got. So sometimes just being an analyst, it can be quite tedious. The work can be quite repetitive. And I felt like in an analyst role, it's quite difficult to help push for change within a firm. We don't really get into the nitty gritty of money laundering and you don't really have a say as much in how things should be done. Whereas, and I love helping people. I love helping make things work better. Um, if I can see a way that this is going to work better for someone, it's going to save them time. That's that's what I really enjoy doing. So it's quite frustrating when you're in those situations. You know, they're not allowing you to do that when you feel like there is something that you can do to to help change things. It's it can be really frustrating, and I think that's why I enjoy the consultancy work so much. I think firstly they're paying for your advice, so there's less pushback. You know, they're asking you to come in and and help you with this. Um, and secondly, they want your help, so they're more likely to be receptive to it. You know, as I've already said, like AML, not one size fits all. We take that approach with our clients. And as long as what they're doing meets the requirements and doesn't put them at risk of money laundering, then why not do it in that way that they want to do it? Even if I might not necessarily have done it that way. Yeah. then I think in the end, you're right. Being an analyst first, it allows you to learn the job, to get the, the right reflexes. And then afterward, you can take a step back and be able to look at the bigger picture and give uh, good insights to companies, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And taking another step back from your career, when you were a student, so you, you studied law just like me, and how did you choose to specialize in this field, which is AML? Wow. When I was at university and studying law, it wasn't actually something that we were told about which obviously is quite shocking because it's quite important that you learn about, you know, how to not launder money um, if you're becoming a solicitor. So it wasn't something that I'd really heard of. I left uni and found myself getting a job in a law firm as an office assistant. And I worked my way up to a paralegal level where I was dealing with debt recovery. And I was actually a really good, I was really good at it, really good at getting money out of people. And it was only because a new law firm had come to Bristol and they were looking for conflicts and AML analysts. Wasn't something, a lot of the firms in Bristol weren't very big at the time. Obviously, you know, we were still working from the 2007 regulations in the UK. So it wasn't as big a thing, um, anti-money laundering then. So there wasn't really anyone in the area that they could find. So I went for an interview because it sounded interesting and got the job. So I kind of fell into the role, really, which I'm really, really glad about because it definitely is my career path and I get such great job satisfaction from what I do. I feel like it's the same thing for a lot of people working in AML now. Like when I started, it was also not so big in terms of career move and uh, there were almost no dedicated uh, studies for this field. Mm. So we saw the light and we, we entered, like we say, in France. Definitely. I love that saying. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting career, no doubt about that. 
but it can also be challenging, just like you said, with this, for example, this adverse media on a, on clients. It's a, sometimes it's very touchy situations. You, you need to be very diplomatic. In this sense, uh, what would you say is the biggest challenge you, you faced during your career? Yeah, I think this is a tough one, but I think for me, working in a law firm, I think the biggest challenge was trying to change the culture of compliance internally. And I also had a bit of an issue because I didn't go on to become a lawyer. And because I was young, people didn't always take me seriously enough. So although I was happy to, you know, you know, take those, um, you know, adverse media hits to people, or I was happy to say to people, we shouldn't be proceeding with this. It was really difficult for people to take me seriously. And I would end up having to have to get one of the risk lawyers involved to literally just repeat what I'd already said, which was really, really frustrating. And I think even now when some people first meet me, they don't necessarily doubt me, but they might not realize that I know as much as I do until I do actually start talking about AML. And then they're like, oh, Yes, she does know her stuff. <laughs> How do you now, with more experience, walk around this small issue? So I just, I just carry on. I think, luckily for me, now that I'm working in consultancy, it's very rare that that happens. I have had a few clients that have, you know, pushed to ask how I got to where I am now in terms of working for Teal Compliance. But again, I just, you know, brush it off and just carry on and do what I need to do at the end of the day. You know, I do know more than them. Um, and that's what when people used to say to me, are you a lawyer? I'd be like, no, I'm not a lawyer, but do you know more about anti-money laundering than I do? Yeah, in the end, they have to recognize their skills. Exactly. Preparing a podcast, I did a few research, especially on your LinkedIn profile. And uh, as I said in the introduction, I, uh, I really like your content. I think it brings a lot of value. I'm myself following it on a weekly basis. Thank and you. on your account, I also saw that uh, you mentioned some crazy stories. Mm. And uh, I have to say, I I'm curious, could you maybe share one or, or two with us for your favorite ones? Yes, yes. I was having a think about this today, about which ones I was going to tell you about. So one of, one of my big favorites is I was working with one of our client firms and their client had an agent acting for them. This client worked in the property industry. Now, when the firm carried out an adverse media check, it showed that this agent had been to prison for seven years for mortgage fraud. And it was on a property that he inherited when his father died. So when I got involved, the, former t the firm had taken the view that as this person was just the agent and, was a, uh, and wasn't the actual client, then they felt like it wasn't an issue. But for me, it was never really clear why, this, why their client was using this individual as an agent and how he was linked to the client itself. So um, I did a bit of research and, uh, and did a bit of digging. And the more I dug, the more I found. So this individual, this agent, he had criminal links to London gang bosses, including the Cray twins. And not only had he been in prison for fraud, he'd also been on trial for his father's murder. He was later acquitted, but it was thought that he needed money and he killed his father for the inheritance. And this was actually linked to the property that he'd committed mortgage fraud on. And then he was also later convicted of a serious assault. Again, I kept looking. Um, he'd been in a legal battle over land in London. 
um, which resulted in his bodyguards. I mean, he had bodyguards with him being brutally attacked at the courthouse. And then I found this book that he was in. And this book was about gangs, corruption and the London Olympics. Um, and he was in it. So obviously I had to buy it. I mean, this is how much of an AML geek I am. He, he obviously interested me then. So I bought this book and this individual had a whole chapter on him. And the chapter about him was named Liar. And it turned out that actually he was a snitch and uh, none of the gangs liked him very much because of this. Whether or not the firm still uh, work with him, who knows? But yes, it was, a, it was a very, very interesting. And I just found myself digging and digging and trying to find more information about him. Oh, wow. That's a movie right there. Uh, maybe a Guy Ritchie movie, you know, with the, all these gang uh, yes. and stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's incredible. Honestly, I'm a bit jealous. I've never had uh, anything that spicy in my <laughs> own career. But uh, yeah, I love the uh, I love the story. And may I ask, did it end? Did this story? Did the um, transaction went through? Yeah, I think a number of transactions did go through for them. Yes, yeah, I did. Um, you know, it was one of those situations where I felt like saying, "One day you might be on the news." <laughs> I'll be sat watching the telly, and you're going to be on the news because you've you've acted in these matters. But yeah, I mean, we can only tell our clients what we feel about the situation. We can't force them to to stop what they're doing but yeah it was a very interesting one and i wouldn't have touched it with a barge pole yeah i, I can imagine and now that you're a consultant i guess that you don't get to see such similar cases because you you work more on the frameworks and the policies and so on do you miss it sometimes well we um and what i didn't mention at the start is that we actually have a service called ask teal um, so when anyone has uh, an issue, they can call us up and we can try and help them. And I would probably say that's where we still get all of our juicy bits um, from. So we have clients ring us up and ask us about whether or not they need to file a suspicious activity report because of some information. So they'll, they'll, we'll provide them with guidance on that. We have clients contact us about source of funds information, whether or not they, you know, they have enough evidence, whether or not we feel that whatever they have is um, dodgy. I had a client not so long ago contact us and she said he's got £12,000 in his account and it's from Facebook Marketplace. But okay. I know I've sold a few toys on Facebook Marketplace before, but, you know, for like a £5, but never £12,000 worth of stuff. So what, what what did he sell? All right, it was light fittings. Okay, All right, that's a lot of money for light fittings. I was like, did he give you any receipts? Well, he gave me receipts for the light fittings that he had bought, so the ones that he'd sold, and they were for £3,000. So, okay, so either he's lying or he's really ripped someone off, you know, selling £3,000 worth of light fittings for £12,000. Um, he wasn't able to provide any of the messages from Facebook Marketplace. He wasn't able to find a, uh, provide a receipt or anything like that. So, you know, we still do get some interesting ones come through. Okay, that's good. You have it all, I guess, at Teal. Yeah. And when, when a client comes your way uh, with such a question, uh, how do you answer? Do you have your own tools? 
So we don't use any sort of um, technology in that sort of sense. We all just put our heads together um, as a team and we advise the client that way. We do um, try and help clients. So say if a client needed help with electronic verification provider or if they were looking for someone to help them with adverse media checks, then we do help them with those sorts of things. We know quite a lot of providers and have seen quite a few demos. Um, so we could help them with those sorts of things. But generally, it's just all of us together at Teal. We get together and, and we all help each other. We've actually got this, we've got a messenger. And if any of us are stuck on anything, you know, say if someone came to me about something and I wasn't 100% sure, we've got this channel that says help required and we can pop it in there and we can all just have a chat about it and talk it out which is really, really useful sometimes because even the experts need a sounding board sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it leads to another question. What, what is the background of your, of your co-workers? Do, do, were they also analysts like, like you before or not necessarily? Um, not necessarily, no. So we've got a, a wide range of, uh, of people within our team. We've got an individual who was, uh, he's not a lawyer, but he was um, a money laundering reporting officer and he worked within, uh, quite senior within the um, risk team. We've got another individual, he ran his own law firm and he was the money laundering reporting officer as well, but he was also involved obviously in running the, running the firm itself. And when he decided enough was enough with his law firm, he decided to come and join Team Tail. We've got other individuals that are from similar backgrounds of, as me, and we've got other individuals who worked as lawyers within the risk within the risk team. Because we don't just do we don't help with just anti money laundering. We also help with the regulatory side of things for law firms as well. Okay, seems like a very very interesting and complementary uh, team. Exactly. Yeah. And I also saw that you write in your company's blog, and I'm wondering what is your process when you prepare uh, for a new article? So there's kind of no method to my madness, I have to say. When I joined Teal, and when I went for the interview, they made me write a blog on conflict checking, which you can imagine is a very dry subject for my interview. I'd never written a blog before, but I just thought, you know, blogs are, you know, from what I knew about blogs, they're meant to be quite chatty and as if you were talking to someone. So, you know, that's how I did it. I just write them as if I would say something um, and apparently it was good. But I do also try and make it engaging by adding stories to make it more relevant. And, um, you know, sometimes I've, you know, even shamed myself with some things that I've got wrong in the past. I think, again, it makes it a bit more relatable. You know, we're all human. We all we all get things wrong. And I also try and have a look in the news and see what news articles are out there as well, just to, you know, really hold it down that this is something that's being looked at at the moment and what people are interested in. But a lot of the time, I have to say, because I am an AML geek and I love what I do, it's quite fun for me to write them because I enjoy doing it and I enjoy sharing my knowledge and the thought that I'm helping people. It just it just kind of happens, really. Yeah, kind of the same for me, to be honest. I, I enjoy the field, so I read many articles and I find uh, inspiration in them. And writing itself, to me, I don't know for you, is feels very relaxing. Yes. I just wish I had more time to do that. Yeah, it does take a lot of time. Last but not least, 
Uh, I would like to know if you have advices for newcomers in the uh, compliance game. Yes. I mean, for me, it's to understand why we do what we do. Why are you getting involved in this? Why are you doing it? And, you know, as I said at the start, it's to stop the baddies. Uh, I think we all need to remember that's why we're doing it. I would say read the law, read case law, keep on top of the news, always have a look, searching around to see what's going on. LinkedIn, use it. It is a great platform, as you and I know, and it is full of really great people with um, great content. Sign up to all our webinars now. I'm only joking. Um, but seriously, there are a lot of like-minded people on, on LinkedIn who will be able to help you and, and share information. I mean, that's how I started. Um, and it's been a, a great journey for me. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, LinkedIn over the last few years completely changed, in, in my opinion. It used to be this place where you actually look for job opportunities. Yeah. That was pretty much it. And now, like uh, I do, I, I'd say almost all of my um, legal watch, I, I do all of it almost on, on LinkedIn. And I learn so much from other content creators and all the webinars, opportunity, we, we can see there. So it, it's really a great place to grow as a compliance specialist. Yes, definitely, definitely. What advice would you have? Sorry, what, 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 what advice would you have for newcomers? Honestly, stay curious. I did this like uh, more than a year ago. I set uh, a few Google alerts with uh, keywords. So every time there are new articles on uh, compliance or AML or financial crime, I just get a selection uh, in my uh, mailbox. And uh, usually I read maybe two or, or three that I find in interesting every day. And it gives me inspiration to write posts. And it also gives me insights in uh, being better uh, at my own job. So yeah, that would be my advice. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I'm going to have to steal that one. <laughs> With pleasure. <laughs> so that was actually the last question. And I have to say it was a blast having you, uh, Kaylee. I, uh, I especially loved your gangster story. <laughs> I, I might rewatch uh, Snatch or uh, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Right? It was really great talking with you, getting to know your career and uh, what you do on, on a day-to-day -day basis. So uh, I hope that all paths get to, to cross again. And uh, I guess I, I have to wish you a very happy uh, holiday season. Oh, thank you so much. I've had so much fun as well. It's been really, really lovely to, to finally get to speak to you properly. Um, and yes, I wish you happy holidays too. Thank you very much, Kelly. See you soon. Thank you.